Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in the time of testing they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way they are choked by the cares and riches of the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. For those who are visiting, my name's Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. It's an honor that you would choose to worship with us. Again, if you're joining us online, welcome as well. You know, Drew, Pastor Drew, shared something in the first service that really caught me. He said, when I was a kid, this was the scariest parable when I read it. And he approached it uh, through a lens of condemnation and fear. And I recognize we all are walking in with different stories, looking at the scriptures through a different lens. And so I would say, wherever you are and whoever you are, I do believe today's passage or parable is both a challenge and a sweet, sweet invitation by Jesus to meet you right where you are, to meet us right where we are with his grace. So with that, please bow your heads with me as I share another brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me begin by asking everyone this question. How fertile is your heart? In the year 2000, Carly, my bride, and I had the opportunity to buy our first home. Built in 1926, the house was a Spanish-style ranch in Central Florida, and it needed a lot of work. However, we were young and ambitious, and we thought we could take it on. So we agreed together to purchase this house and to renovate the whole house. And this included redoing the floors, repainting the inside and the outside of the home, replacing virtually every door, uh, redoing electrical, putting on a new roof, and yes, even redoing the yard. Now, to put this into perspective, do we have any fans of HGTV or the DIY network here today? Chris is, we've got two, two hands over here. Chris is pumping his fists. Okay, listen, have you ever seen those shows where they show an awful, 
awful looking backyard and then a landscaping savant comes in and creates something beautiful, something really organized and thoughtful. Well, back in 2000, that was supposed to be me. I had it all mapped out in my mind and I knew it was going to be great. I just knew it was going to be great. Uh, And here's the deal. My wife, she did not know that. In fact, she doubted me. She doubted me, but I still went for it, right? So first I mowed and weed whacked the yard. The yard was so high and so unkept and there were snakes and all, again, central Florida, water moccasins, but I did it. Then I took the debris, put it in those uh, kind of brown bags you get at Home Depot or Lowe's, and then I burned it. I didn't throw it away. I thought this is a, a fitting moment to create a burn pile. And we were outside the city limits, so it was legal. Okay, next, what did I do? I rented, I went and rented one of those uh, gas-powered tillers. You ever done that, any of you? I rented a gas-powered tiller. I, I saw it on TV, and so I thought, I need to do this. I need to get rid of every weed in the yard. Nothing can survive. And guess what? In Central Florida, in the summer, this chore nearly killed me, the gas-powered tiller. Then a friend, his name's Mark, told me I needed lime. I needed lime to make the soil pH level right, so I went to Home Depot, bought lime, and spread it all over the top of the yard. Finally, finally, with great anticipation, I bought the best seed that I could buy, spread it evenly across the yard, gently raked it into the soil, and then turned on our sprinklers that were attached to our two water hoses. And I stood back and I waited. With great anticipation, I waited and waited. And then every couple days, I'd turn on the sprinklers, give my seed some fresh juice, some fresh water, and I waited. In my mind, in my mind, it was going to be amazing. However, what sprang up from the earth? Weeds, lots and lots of weeds. In one fellowship, this crushed my soul. It crushed my dreams to have an HGTV yard. It did. Now, some of you know what I'm talking about. You've done this. You don't know what you're supposed to do, but you do it anyway and you get weeds. Listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Two problems. First, it turns out when I brought the real pro in to assess the situation, he said, Paul, you don't, I don't know how to say, you, you don't have soil I said, what? He said, Paul, you, you don't have soil. You have sand. All you, all, true, all you have is sand. You have very coarse, nutrient-poor, central Florida sand. And second, he said, if you want anything to grow here, you're going to need a lot more moisture. He said, the seed you'd planted or sown had already burned up, right? You're going to need a lot more moisture, Brian. He said, you're going to need an irrigation system. So there you have it, friends. Despite dreams of growing a beautiful, lush, green yard, I'd grown a mess, a garden of weeds. And here's what I learned. Here's what I learned that day. For healthy things to grow, the conditions in which they are to grow are vital. For healthy things to grow, the conditions in which they are to grow are vital. You see, uh, 20 plus years ago in Florida, my issue was not the seed. 
I had purchased and sown the best seed. No, the issue, our issue was the soil, the poor condition of the soil. Now, turning our attention to our passage today, in parable form, Jesus basically asked us this question. What's the condition of your heart? How fertile is your heart? Do you have a hard heart? Do you have a shallow heart? Might you have a crowded heart or do you have a fertile heart? A heart in which I can plant something beautiful, something meaningful, something eternal. How fertile is your heart? Jesus basically asked. And while this parable is known as the parable of the sower, I'd like to think of it as the parable of the soil. I think that's more fitting. And with that introduction, this leads us to the big idea we'll see today from God's word. Friends, the gospel is offered to all, but only received by those with a fertile heart. The gospel is offered to all, but only received by those with a fertile heart. So let's unpack this over the next few minutes together. Point one, the hard heart. First, Jesus says, uh, says to us, to his original audience as well, some of us have hard hearts. Some of you have hard hearts. Beginning with verse four. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town to town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to seed, sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. First, Jesus says, some of us have hard hearts. Some of us like seeds sown on the path have a hard heart. Why? Because we know what it's like, listen, to be trampled on. Some of you know what it's like to be trampled on. A little context for our parable. In Jesus's day, farmers would sow their seeds in long, narrow fields in ancient Israel. And in these long, narrow fields, there would be long, narrow paths. And this farmer, or the farmers would walk and they'd sow the seed. They'd sow them from pouches that would be strapped across their torso. Maybe some of you have seen Van Gogh's The Sower. It's a great illustration of this. And so the farmer would walk the path and sow the seed along uh, into the field, but inevitably some would fall right beside him or behind him. And because of this, the seed would be in danger. Why? Because it'd be in a high traffic zone, Soph. You see, a person would walk the path soon and crush the seed underfoot, or an ox would soon travel the path and crush the seed under its hoof, or a wagon would soon traverse the path and crush the seed under one of its wheels. And Jesus tells the crowd that like seed on the path, some of us have hard hearts and struggle to receive God's word and his grace. Why? Because we know what it's like to be trampled on. We know what it's like to be crushed. Bringing this into the room, as kids, some of us grew up in broken homes and we're walking wounded. As teens, some of us took a lot of bullying and carry a lot of shame. Thus, we live our lives a little distant from others. And as adults, some of us have experienced betrayal, death, or divorce from people we love. 
And we pine for intimacy, yet we're terrified of it, terrified of it at the same time. Because of a, our pain, this pain, our hearts have become calloused, maybe even hard. The result, we struggle to believe in and trust in God and his word. Might this be the condition of your heart today? In the movie Forrest Gump, now I recognize I'm old, older. A lot of you weren't even born when this movie came out. It's a great movie, but for those who've seen the movie, in the movie Forrest Gump, there's this character called uh, Lieutenant Dan. Do you remember Lieutenant Dan? He's close to Forrest. However, despite their friendship, despite their friendship, Dan's mad at Forrest throughout the movie, and he's mad at God. Because in the movie, Dan loses both of his legs in Vietnam, and uh, Forrest saves him. And he sees no reason to live. And what results is he becomes a raging, bitter, lonely alcoholic. Finally, as the movie progresses, in the face of a devastating storm, literally a hurricane, Lieutenant Dan turns to Forrest and asks, quote, where the expletive is this God of yours, Gump? Where the expletive is this God of yours, Gump? And then Dan unleashes all of his anger at God. Years of pent of pain come pouring out, and it's difficult to watch if you remember the movie. And yet, for those who've seen the movie, in an ironic twist, something then happens. Dan and Forrest survive this storm as the only two shrimpers with the only shrimp boat in the area. And consequently, they open the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. That's the little twist. But I don't, I don't share the story because of the twist. I share it because of Lieutenant Dan's question. Where the, is this God of yours, Gump? Where are you, God? Have you ever whispered, thought, or screamed that question before? God, I'm experiencing, or my family's experiencing so much pain. Where are you? Some of us have hard hearts because we know what it's like to be trampled on. Friends, do you know what a hard heart needs? A hard heart, which is really a broken heart, needs a breakthrough. A hard heart needs a breakthrough of God's love. And that's what some of us, some of you need today. Just to deviate a little, I didn't add this in the first sermon, but I can't help but think of Mary and Martha when their brother died. Mary was shut down, shut off. So when Jesus came to raise Lazarus from the dead, she wouldn't even go out to meet him. Her heart was hard. She was shut down. You know what she needed? She needed to see the God who weeps for her. Jesus wept for her. Some of you need experience a weeping God, a God who cares for the brokenhearted today. Why? Because you have a hard heart because you've been crushed again and again and again. This leads us to point two. Some of us have shallow hearts. The passage continues, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. Allow me to lighten the mood a little bit in the room, okay? 
Do any of you have friends who fall in love with the latest fad and just go for it without counting the commitment involved? Any of you? Maybe that's you sitting here today. A few years ago, I had a friend who was the poster child of this kind of behavior. He'd fall in love with a new trend, or at least the idea of a new trend, then share it on social media and get involved. And once he found out how hard it was, he'd be like, I'm out, I'm out. First, it was extreme fitness. He joined a high intensity gym and he announced it to the world. Pictures and all, explanation and all. A couple weeks later, due to its intensity, he dropped out. Next, it was a new diet, something to do with kale and quinoa. And again, he announced it to the world, social media, new diet, kale and quinoa. A few weeks later, I'm cruising to Chick-fil-A. I walk in and who's there? Mr. Kale and quinoa. He's eating a chicken sandwich and those waffle fries with that heavenly sauce. I said, what are you doing? He said, I've learned I'm not a rabbit. <laughs> and yet this friend, he continued this behavior year after year, getting excited, jumping on a craze, sharing about that craze or trend, and then bailing after seeing the commitment involved. Can any of you relate to this pattern? Well, guess what? Returning to our passage, Jesus says a lot of us do this in our faith journeys. When they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. In other words, we get excited. We then face the challenge or a call to action, and what do we do? We bounce. We bounce. So let's bring this into the room, shall we? We think to ourselves, this is the year. This is the year. I'm going to read the whole Bible this year. I'm going to do it. You tell people about it. Then you come early in Genesis. You're right at the beginning. You hit some of those verses or passages. You're like, holy mackerel. What is this? Or I don't understand this. And what do you do? You just skip it. And then a little bit later, you just bail. Bail on this commitment. Any of you know what I'm talking about? Whereas we're looking at our weekends, our plans for the weekend, we think to ourselves, oh, oh. They're preaching on this subject or that subject, and I'm not really into this subject or that subject. And my kids in this season, they don't really like church, so we'll just not go this weekend. And then the next weekend comes, and the same thing happens, and the next weekend comes, and the next weekend comes. Pretty soon, you're not going to church or part of the church. Any truth here? Or maybe there's a person or a group of people that have just rubbed you the wrong way in life. Maybe they're believers. So instead of being intentional and prayerful about conversing with them and working things out, you do what? You avoid them. No matter what cost, you avoid these people. You avoid the places where they frequent. And you might even move to a new church without trying to work it out. And guess what? The pattern then repeats itself a few years down the road, right? Does any of this sound familiar? In the words of the late pastor Tim Keller, Everyone says they want community and friendship, but mention accountability or commitment to people and they run the other way. Thus, Jesus says, while some of us have hard hearts, others have shallow hearts. And the question uh, we must ask is, is that me? Is that us here today? Listen, if the hard heart needs a breakthrough, the shallow heart 
needs what? To grow up or to grow down in faith. The shallow heart needs to grow up or grow down in faith. What do I mean by that? The shallow heart needs to develop roots. In how do roots develop? Roots develop by staying right where you are, especially in times of testing and trying to work it out. It doesn't always work out, but trying to work it out. So God might be saying to you, hey, it's time to stick into this commitment, make this commitment, move forward in this commitment, not bounce. In the words of Pastor Nikki Gumbel, mountaintops inspire us, but valleys mature us. We all like those mountaintop experiences, but valleys deepen our roots. This leads us to point three, the crowded heart. Jesus says some of us have crowded hearts. Continuing in our passage, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and what? Pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. 47 games. Listen, 47 games. In a one-month period a few years back, our three kids had 47 basketball games. It's true. And they go to a peewee school that does not specialize in basketball. And keep in mind, this did not include the practices. We were asked to bring our kids to 47 basketball games in one January a few years back. Also, just to add insult to injury, some of the practices would be at eight at night or six in the morning in different areas of the city. None of them drove at the time. It was absolute insanity. Keeping up with our kids' schedule was absolute insanity. And some of you are living that insanity right now. Returning to our passage, Jesus says, well, some of us have hard hearts, others shallow hearts. Others have crowded hearts. And guess what? That was Carly and me. That was Team Sorensen. And guess what? If you're in Charleston, it might just be you too. Charleston attracts people that love to work hard and love to play hard. Fill up those schedules, right? The crowded heart. Note what Jesus tells us. As they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. Or as the message puts it, the seed is crowded out and nothing comes of it as they go about their lives worrying about tomorrow, making money and having fun. What? They're crowded out. Nothing comes of their lives because they're worried about tomorrow, making money and having fun. Jesus doesn't tell us that some big bad sin causes our destruction in the crowded heart. He doesn't. He tells us daily worry, longing for wealth, and loads of fun cause our destruction. Why would Jesus say something like that? Why would he say that? Well, here's why. Because when a good thing becomes the ultimate thing in our lives, we squeeze it or it squeezes us until no oxygen is left. It's the definition of an idol. When a good thing becomes the ultimate thing in our lives, we squeeze it or it squeezes us until no oxygen is left. Listen, if we make our kids the ultimate thing, at some point we're gonna choke the air out of those relationships and suffocate our kids. Or if we're dating someone or married, 
and we want that to be the ultimate thing in our lives, guess what? That pressure applied will choke out that relationship. Or if we aim to experience the ultimate pleasure through material gain or some adventure, we'll end up disappointed and chasing more and more and more and more and more, looking for that next high, that next hit, and end up exhausted and depressed. Any of you exhausted today? Why is this the case? Because no person, no thing, and no adventure can satisfy the longings of your heart. Only God can do that. In the words of the late Billy Sunday, an evangelist who first played, I think it was eight years of professional baseball before entering ministry, riches have never yet given anybody either peace or rest. And yet what do we do? Over and over and over and over again, we chase riches and we chase pleasure. Thus, if the hard heart needs a breakthrough and the shallow heart needs to grow up or down in faith, the crowded heart needs what? It needs a cleansing. It needs a purge. It needs to be cleaned out. The crowded heart needs to be cleaned out of what really doesn't matter to make room for what really does matter. Here's a test. Here's a test. Carly shared this with me. She's getting her master's in clinical mental health counseling. And she brought this to me, and I thought, that is so easy and so challenging. Here's the test. Who or what is the first thing you think of in the morning? Who or what is the first thing you think of in the morning? Whoever or whatever that is, that is your God. If you're someone in 12 steps, Al-Anon, A-A-N-A, that's your higher power. That's the person or thing you've made Lord over your life. Beginning with me, we must be aware of the crowded heart. And this leads us to point four, the fertile heart. David, Jesus wants us to have fertile hearts. And some fell into good soil and grew up and yielded a hundredfold. As for that in the good soil, they are those who here in the world hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience, with patience. A few years ago, a man named Mason came to our church. Some of you remember Mason? I've known Mason. In fact, I think he's related to Mary and Butch. I've known Mason since we were kids. And before moving back to Charleston, he was an executive chef, had a big job in Los Angeles, California. Well, he had endured a, a pretty hard breakup, so he made the decision to move back to the East Coast and moved to Charleston. And it was the early days of our church, and Mason at first continued his culinary career here. It was hard, with, hard work with late hours, but he did it, and yet he still prioritized, listen, he still prioritized plugging into our church as much as possible. For instance, he joined our Connections team right away, even showing up early to make those pots of coffee. <laughs> he joined our newcomers team. I'm not saying we don't do a good job with newcomers now, but back in the day when we were young, we had an executive chef make every meal for our newcomers dinner for free. It was amazing. And he joined a weekly Bible study, aiming to grow in knowledge and trust in the faith he held dear. Mason, he would tell you he was far from perfect, but he just continued to place himself in the path of God's grace. In other words, he, he chose to live with a fertile heart. 
Finally, one day, Mason came to me, and he told me he believed God was calling him to resign his big job, his big job at one of these wonderful restaurants downtown. He told me God was calling, to, calling him to do something, uh, something different. Specifically, he'd been offered a job at Camp St. Christopher to cook not just for our church, but the broader church, to use his gifts and skills in that light. And so with some urging and prayer, he did it. He resigned, took a huge pay cut, and moved to Seabrook Island. A few months later, he called me and he said, Paul, I got to share a story. I said, okay. He said, I'm growing so much in my faith, so much in my faith. And recently I made this uh, meal for a visiting church, a visiting church group. And believe it or not, they asked me to pray over them as part of their retreat. They, they had seen something in me where they wanted me to pray over them. And so I did that. And he said, after I prayed, a woman came up to me and she said, Mason, tell you what, the food you made tonight was good, but the prayer you shared tonight was great. And I'll remember it forever. The food you made tonight was good, but the prayer you shared tonight was great. I'll remember it forever. And as you might imagine, these words really, really meant the world to Mason. He left an executive or sous chef or a really nice restaurant in downtown Charleston and gave it all up to serve God at Camp St. Christopher. Since that time, Mason has gone on to marry a wonderful woman, have two kids, and he's doing incredibly well. Where is he? Well, he followed his woman his wife to her church, which works for me, right? <laughs> the fertile heart. God loves to bless the fertile heart. The fertile heart. The Apostle Paul says God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his work, not our work, or his power that is at work within us. What a declaration, right? God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. The question is, friends, do you or do we believe that today? God is able to do something great, something beautiful, something lasting in your life today. As we wrap up our time, I want to call us, we want to call you to a new level of belief. I want us to examine our own hearts in the condition they're in this morning. Friend, let me ask. This morning, do you have a hard heart? Do you have a shallow heart? Do you have a crowded heart? Or do you have a fertile heart? And after being honest with yourself, I want you to see one more thing from this parable. It's, it's stunning, stunning to me. Did you notice in the story how Jesus shared that the farmer casts his seed on everything, everywhere, every surface? He did. The farmer didn't limit his sowing. He scattered his seed on every single surface or heart. So why is that important? It's, it's important because it's a reflection of God's love. No matter the condition of your heart, listen, God wants you to experience his love and his grace through Jesus today. He does. Do you need a breakthrough? Ask the Lord to break through and heal your heart.
Do you need maturity and deeper roots? Ask the Lord to grow you. Do you need a clean out? Ask the Lord to realign your affections, even your schedule, your priorities. And do you long for a divine harvest to come bursting forth in your life or in your family's life today? Ask for the Lord to plant his word and his grace in you so that your life and its impact will last more than you could ever ask or imagine. How does that sound? Friends, why don't we, even as we look at the summer, let's approach God together and say, God, help me to have a fertile heart by your word and your grace. And he'll do it. The gospel is offered to all, but only received by those with a fertile heart. Let's come to him with fertile, thirsty, hungry hearts today. Please pray with me. God, thank you so much for your word. And thank you that no matter who we are and what we walked in with, your grace is sufficient. For the hard heart, God, would you break through, bring healing, tenderness, love. God, for the shallow heart, would you make us stick instead of bounce, grow us. God, for the crowded heart, would you clean us up and clean us out so we can experience more and more of you. And God, we pray for fertile hearts both today and then the days to come. I pray this not only for those in the room, but those joining us online, at home, in a car or wherever. I pray this over our kids, our students, all of our groups. The years and years to come in this church, we pray all this for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.